May the words of my mouth and the meditations upon all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. So let's start with the state of our shattered hearts and burdened souls in the wake of the horrific massacre of children and adults in Uvalde. Neighbors' lives changed forever. Children's laughter, songs, and unscripted joy in the face of a war-torn world silenced forever. And here we are again gathered with one another in the presence of eternal love to grieve, to sob, to groan, to cry out, Dear God, enough is enough. In his letter to the people of the Diocese of Connecticut, the right Reverend Ian Douglas wrote, the circumstances of Uvalde shooting are strikingly reminiscent of our own Sandy Hook tragedy. So similar to those of December 14th, 2012, a lone young male gunman, the shooting of a family member of the gunman on the way to the mass shooting, the killing of scores of innocent children in an elementary school, and the death of teachers and adult staff trying to protect those children. Siblings in Christ, Ian continues, we must work together to end gun violence in this nation. This senseless killing has to stop. This is not how a civilized society acts. We urge you to do all in your power as followers of Jesus to bring an end to gun violence. We commend the resources of bishops united against gun violence as a resource for your prayer and action. Friends, I was a priest in Connecticut on the day of that mass shooting at Sandy Hook. Martha and I were leaving town for a couple of days of rest and renewal when we heard the, that horrific news on our radio. We immediately turned our car around and returned to my parish, opened wide the doors of the church, and held people in our arms as we sobbed and prayed in response to that deadly act of gun violence. As we are doing here and now among the people of the Diocese of West Texas, we connect to those immediately impacted by that massacre, first by prayer by enfolding all those affected in this small town by such violence in our prayers, we support our bishops, David and Rayford, the Reverend Mike Marsh as rector in his ministry at his parish in Uvalde. Prayers for the first responders and medical professionals who run toward and with their gifts and skills treat those who are injured or dying or dead. And we pray for the perpetrators of all this in our hearts and in our prayers, tormented souls that they are as well. Our hearts may well feel shredded as we face the last couple of weeks in this country. Two other gun violence events, death in Buffalo, New York, and Laguna Woods, California, and now Uvalde. So we do cry, dear God, enough is enough. 
We cry, we pray, we act, and we vote. We anchor ourselves again and again in our faith in Jesus Christ and seek a way forward. Thank God for the 17th chapter of John's Gospel that we have before us today. The 17th chapter in John's Gospel, the tone entirely shifts. Jesus begins what has been called his high priestly prayer. His instructions and his lessons, his teachings and preparations of his disciples concerning his death are for the most part completed in the 14th through 16th chapters. And now in the 17th chapter, we hear Jesus's voice in prayer. Jesus knew where he was going and what he was facing too. We hear him as he prays from his own shattered heart. Father, the hour has come. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Those are words of consecration and protection, and they are meant for us today, this day. Just as Jesus prays from the deepest recesses of his human heart, he also prays not only for the disciples whom he loved, he also clearly prays for all of us who follow in the disciples' footsteps, precisely because he loves us. He loves us in the midst of the pain and the suffering and the woundedness and the evil of this world. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves all of us. He prays not to take us out of the world, but he sends us out into the still hurting, deadly, suffering world to serve alongside those who are exactly the same ones whom he served in his own day. The poor, the children, the ones deemed least and worthless. To those in his world, we are sent to witness that self-same servanthood love made manifest in Jesus Christ. The words of the gospel text, the good news, and there is good news as faithful people and believers in Jesus Christ, there is good news to proclaim to this hurting world. The good news is that we are inextricably and eternally woven into the tapestry that is salvific love. We are the bearers of love in the face of hate. We are the bearers of hope in the face of denial and doubt. We are bearers of light in the midst of what may be the darkest of hours. 
We are the hands, the feet, the heart of Christ in this world. And we have been consecrated by him and united to Jesus himself in the vocation of servanthood love. The waters of our holy baptism poured over us, united us to him once and for all time, and unites us to one another in the love that is God's unconditional and inclusive love for all. Love that sacrifices even to death. We celebrate Memorial Day this weekend and honor those men and women who served our country and gave the utmost so that we are free to love and honor and respect the dignity of every human person. Love that runs into danger when innocents are threatened. Love that never ceases to come alongside those who grieve, who cry, who scream, who need just someone to walk alongside them, to be present with them in the midst of what is the valley of the shadow of death, where there are no words, no words that can be spoken that will take away or relieve in any way the pain of some enduring in their hearts. But our love matters, our presence matters, speaking hope matters. For those of us whose shattered hearts ache for the innocents murdered, for those who attempted to protect them and in so doing lost their own lives, for all those whose lives will never fully recover from this evil, we are called to bear the love and healing that is faith in Jesus Christ. We are to be gentle, patient, kind with one another. We are not to weaponize our words or our beliefs over and against one another. We are called respectfully and lovingly to listen to one another. In his book, Who Will Roll Away the Stone? Discipleship Queries for the First World Christians, Ched Myers writes, if human freedom and justice are to have a future, we can no longer hide behind the myth of redemptive violence or cower before the rule of the gun. My friends, I believe this to be true. So do not hear this sermon as an attack on guns. It is not. I grew up in a family who possessed guns, of hunters who knew how to use and lock their weapons away from the innocents. But I believe that on Wednesday in a conversation with another reconciler I hold dear in my heart, he and I continue to ask the same questions of the political and social realities of this day. Hanging out on the extreme margins, putting our own proverbial stakes in the ground and refusing to move, refusing to listen to one another, let alone have the essential difficult conversations we must have with each other. Refusing to act to protect the most vulnerable among us is not a reflection of faithful living. How are you and I called to be witnesses to that self-same love of God in Jesus Christ 
In the face of evil and death, we see and experience all around us and even in our own communities. How are we called to be together in this, in, in prayer, in presence, and in action as healers and reconcilers in this world? We do need to pray, to listen, to speak up, and act on behalf of the innocents of this world whose lives tragically end in the horrific massacres like the one in Uvalde on Tuesday. We must hold elected leadership accountable to the majority will of the people, to establish long overdue and effective universal background checks, and at the very least, regulate assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. It's the least we can do as the children of God. I commend to you the website of the Episcopal Church's Bishops United Against Gun Violence and everytown.org for more resources and suggested actions we can take now. But we must be asking ourselves, how is the church, how are we, who, who are the church, to model such painfully difficult, yet absolutely essential conversations going forward? How are we called to be witnesses of hope in the face of death? How is Jesus calling you to pray, to listen, to act, to heal. Barbara C. Harris, Bishop Barbara C. Harris, who, who um, she welcomed me into the Episcopal Church. Barbara C. Harris used to ask, how are we to live as Alleluia people in a Good Friday world? That's a pretty powerful question. How are you called to live as an Alleluia people, person, in a Good Friday world? For me, it is to return to the words of Jesus in the 17th chapter and trust them to be true. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. May you and I, may we together, lean into the love and promises of Jesus so that we participate with the divine in the building up of the kingdom of God on earth as in heaven now. Amen.